Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 30. What you just heard was me actually doubting my competence as a podcast host, um, which is an excellent segue into the topic that we have today, which is talking about the idea of success, the idea of competence, achievement, in an era where everyone's success and competence and achievement are on the internet for the whole world to see. This topic was suggested to us by our wonderful panelist, Archie, so I thought I'd give him the floor to sort of frame this discussion and where we're going to go with it. Yeah, so we've all sort of suggested topics since this panel's been a thing, and I've been obsessed with this idea for a while now of kind of how our ideas of personal achievement, attainment, success, competence have changed now that uh, everyone can see what everyone else is doing and what that means for uh, success in the traditional sense, how it always was in terms of careers, um, academia, how that's changed now that um, a lot more is democratized and we can see what everyone else is doing at any given time. And uh, moments of success on the internet are so much shorter than than, say, the prolonged fame that may have happened without social media. So, I guess, if I pose a question to the panel, um, we're all students, so if we start with academia. um, So, in academia, what do you guys consider successful for you? What do you guys consider, or what do you guys think that other people think is successful? Why are you doing what you're doing? Um, Yeah, so I'll, I'll pass that over to you guys. Let's go with Milda. Oh, no, please, no. Uh, I mean, I can just share my experience as a student because I really don't think I'm competent enough to answer about academia and no pun intended about the topic of the episode, of course, here. But, well, in general, I think this topic is perfect for me, uh, kind of drifting away a bit from your question because even though uh, I felt in my childhood and teenage years, always extremely rewarded and supported by my parents for my achievements because I did do a lot of different things. Um, I still feel like I'm never enough. And I think that especially when you become a co- like a university student and you sort of leave your small town, leave your immediate environment, your friends, your high school, you really even as a high-achieving person, can feel some sort of imposter syndrome, even if you have good grades and you're doing a lot of extracurricular activities. So it's definitely something that I struggle with now. And especially with social media, it seems like numbers are extremely important, you know, followings, rankings. Um, But then really that doesn't equate to any kind of happiness or life quality in the end. But I wanted to hear more about what others think about this and how their experience has been. Yeah, totally. On on some level, I completely relate to that. Like in my high school of like 100 people in our graduating class, you know, I was a pretty big fish. I did a lot of stuff. I was like head boy. I, you know, I had pretty good grades and whatnot. And then I came to university. I was like, oh, my God, McGill is all of Canada's big fish in one school. And more importantly, like in our faculty, especially, which was extremely competitive to get in, every single one of these people were the big fishes of their hometown, of their high school. And everywhere I looked around, I tried to stay involved in extracurriculars and my hobbies, you know, like this podcast and stuff like that. There's always someone doing more than you. There's always someone with better grades than you. And it's, um, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's really tough. 
And in terms of, in terms of McGill and university, sure, that, that's an experience that's exists, existed for, for a long time. People have left their town and realized, oh, shoot, there's actually smart people outside of my town and people that I can learn from. But then we square that with the internet. Oh, my God, I was on LinkedIn the other day. And this, and I, I know, and this 15-year-old requests to connect me. And her, her experience is like co-founder of some nonprofit. Uh, what, what is it? Participant at, like she, she studied in, in like a Harvard class, um, took, a, took a summer course at, at 15 and got an A in it. And, um, you know, is doing all of these crazy things like that, you know, I'm, I'm not even doing at the age of, of 20. And I think that's, I think, I mean, of course, this, this kid is going to be super successful and she's going to go on to do great things and make our world a better place, hopefully. But I can't help but feel a little bit jealous and envious and think a little bit less of myself. Yeah, I... I see where both of you are coming from, uh, Vishwa and Melda. And Archie, this is a very interesting topic, just firstly. This is not... This is a very niche topic. You know, I love niche topics, so this is great. Um, in my experience as a, like, I would say, te- as a kid, I wasn't big into school or overachievement until, I guess, my parents sort of guided me through that process and showed me what it is to do hard work. And then through my teenage years, I really, and especially when I moved to the Netherlands four years ago now, um, I really picked up the speed at which I wanted to do things. Um, Like you say, um, my extracurricular list was piling up. um, And Vishwa, you bring up LinkedIn. I started that in high school already. And I I talked to some people and they're like, what? How? Why did you start so early? Like, what, what is all of this? You're pushing for something. I'm like, I don't know, it just felt natural for me. So Archie, to your point, is, is the pre- like, do I feel the apparent pressure of social media or you could say the digitized world accelerating what I should be doing or appearing to accelerate and feeling that pressure? I would say it's motivated, at least for me, by a lot of different factors that don't only coincide with the social realm, if that makes sense. I feel like pressure from family and friends and also just wanting to do good. But being around an environment, in a competitive environment, which, of course, is accelerated by social media and to the level of achievement that one can can reach. So, yeah, I I think all the viewpoints are, are very interesting. Well, uh Adding on to the kind of train of, of personal stories, I mean, again, very similar to you, Vishwa, sort of big fish, small pond. My graduating class was even smaller. I think it was 60, 70, 80 people. Uh, you know, again, head of school, top grades, whatever came to McGill, realized that everyone had achieved that. And I know you've seen me struggle this year academically. Um, for those that don't know, Vishwa and I sat together in a lot of a lot of classes. But... Yeah, it's it's definitely been been tough, and again, I've had those experiences on on sites like LinkedIn. But maybe moving away from the kind of discussion, our own personal experiences. One thing that I've found interesting when I've been thinking about this is we've got all these traditional metrics of success: GPAs, degrees, grades, etc. And of course, social media kind of brings in a lot of pressure uh, to achieve because you see other people, you see fifteen-year-olds going to Harvard and and whatnot. But 
one thing I think it has changed is suddenly you can prove yourself outside of these metrics, right? So currently my GPA is not where I want it to be. And Vishwa said something to me a while ago. He said, mate, I think you're too smart to be in the spot that you're in because the spot that I'm in isn't particularly great. It's not where I want to be. But if you look at a lot of people, they're, they're building in public, they're you know building small startups and posting the journey on Twitter, the goods and the bads. Um, you guys have your podcast and people can listen to this and go, hey, these are really smart people. They don't need to look at your GPA. They don't need to look at your transcript. What it's allowing us to do is to have almost simulate these conversations you can have with people without bringing up your GPA or grades where they can walk away from that and go, hey, this person's really smart. So it's definitely, I think, democratizing access to smart people and democratizing, I don't like that word, but democratizing the ability to, to prove yourself outside of access to these institutions. So I guess I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on how it's changing how we show ourselves to other people in the context of success and achievement and careers and whatnot. Yeah, that's an that's an excellent point, actually. And I, I think that it's something that I've been thinking of unconsciously, right? Because, you know, my GPA is fine. It's not, it's not great. But in the context of, you know, applying to scholarships, ap- applying to jobs, applying to, you know, certain academic positions and things like that, I really feel like I need to prove myself beyond the GPA these days. Unfortunately, most people are still using the GPA as a sort of cutoff of whether you even get your foot in the door. But there are so many ways that you can that you can prove yourself beyond the traditional metrics of success. Now, I do think that this can also be manipulated in some ways in that you can feign competence and knowledge very easily on social media. Right? If you're a confident speaker and you talk absolute nonsense, like I tend to do on this podcast, you can pretend that you're a very, very intelligent person. Whereas, you know, you're... So it's starting to make sense now. Yeah, exactly. You see, you see where I'm going with this, Archie. Um, I, think that it's, I think that, yes, it's democratizing access to, to um, success and to people sort of seeing what you're made of. But at the same time, it also, it also opens up a possibility of a lot of people that are just skilled at social media or skilled at their crafting their public presence, people using that as a signal that they're skilled at something else when that may not necessarily be the case. Yeah, I agree with Wishva with this one. And in general, I feel like it's so easy on your LinkedIn or CV specifically to have all of these different positions like, oh, I'm council member of this and I've participated in this, but that doesn't really mean anything, especially when you're young and a teenager and have all of these opportunities to join places. But whether you actually take something from them is another question. And, you know, especially as a person that's now like, I've had experience working as a teacher Um, And and in debate, specifically, when you have to sort of also uh, pick the next debate stars of Lithuania, let's say, and I'm part of the judging process and the selection process and how and we ask ourselves, like, how do we democratize that? How do we make that sort of um, holistic? And I will always prefer the person that has 
an excellent work ethic and that is motivated and that, you know, is respectful and has a good team spirit as opposed to the person who has won multiple awards in debating or participated in international conferences. And I'm not saying that both of those can't be true, but I think that, yeah, I would always prefer, for example, having an interview with a person for a selection process instead of reading their CV or something. Really interesting point, Milda. Um, because I think that vastly depends on what type of, I guess, Archie, I'm not sure if your question was looking at sort of application to jobs and how to display yourself, correct? Yeah, I mean, take it where you want, but I guess that's sort of what I was getting at. Yeah, exactly. So I think that when you look at, for example, universities, and they look at what's called your academic CV, the, the one that you write up before you apply to universities, and I think the three of us, or the four of us well know this, um, that they look, and especially universities that use robot like bots to help moderate CVs or uh, your LinkedIn profiles, they can actually wane out uh, certain candidates depending on a, like some certain factors, like rules that the program has. Like, okay, if they didn't go to or do 10 extracurriculars or plus, they don't get into the selection, for example. That's an extreme example and a hypothetical one at that. Um, but I, I think that some schools in that sense more look at the raw achievement. But what you're saying, Milda, and I very much agree with you, that if you're trying to select someone into a team or someplace where you need someone reliable and efficient and professional, the quantitative factors, if that makes sense, aren't that much, don't yield that much over the qualitative of the actual person and what do they know and what do they experience. All right, so I want to sort of shift the direction and talk about this abstract topic of success, because in my experience, that has changed over the past few years, at least uh, in the West, but also in the East. I think that if you look to like the generation that most of our parents are in, their definition of success was, you know what, I'm going to get a job that pays well so that I can attract, you know, my, let's take my dad, for example. I'm going to get a job that pays well so that, you know, a nice woman wants to marry me uh, and then we can raise kids together, have a nice house and live as a, as a, as a nice family, uh, which is great. And that's what happened. And of course, my mom sort of had the same thing. Um, they're both like, you know, well-educated and got basically their, their, their dream of success. But if you look at today, I don't think that that's what a lot of young people are sort of defining as success. They're defining something completely different. And I'm sure all of us have a different idea of what success is. But I think that there's sort of been, um, how do I say this, a decentralization of a universal definition of success within our generation. So I really want to explore whether that's good, whether that's bad, and what that means to all of you. If I could pick that up. Um... Yeah, I mean, going through school, I was always, okay, let's get the best grades possible, let's learn another language, let's go to the best university possible, and I think, by and large, I've I've been fairly, fairly, I've done that fairly well, but I think certainly in the last few months, I think this is why I've been thinking about this topic so much, is I've become somewhat disillusioned with, not completely, 
but somewhat disillusioned with the kind of how we square success and fulfillment and happiness and and all of these things that do matter alongside success right like i was very much set on on a career in finance and that's what i was working towards at university and i was doing these extracurriculars and taking the classes that were necessary but i think part of that was because i wanted other people to see me having done it right i i wanted to to be that guy and and for other people to look at me and go he's worked hard he's smart he's he's done it and i think if you you know you talk about your parents and they they were chasing that dream for all the right reasons and and building a family and building a life and all that but what kind of irked me is that it would appear as though i'm doing that obviously in the very early stages and it would appear to me that i was doing that but i think part of me knew that i was doing it for some kind of ego trip because if if you know that academically you're strong it's fairly easy to to sort of weaponize that in a sort of egotistical way and design your kind of personal brand at university around career success and and grind culture and oh i left the library at 1am last night look at me right and so i guess why i started thinking about how social media has changed things is suddenly now you can be you can not go to university maybe you're working on a project and you're building something or maybe it's it's photography maybe it's art and you can be seen as hyper successful without doing any of that and i guess as someone who was very much and is very much on the kind of traditional route um towards success however you may define it you know as, as best as i can part of me was sort of jealous that these people were doing it because or at least as far as i could discern on social media they were doing it because it was something they really enjoyed right like let's look at someone who's a photographer and they're posting their stuff online and they've been very successful in that domain it's not a traditional domain they haven't been to university but they're doing what fulfills them and they're being successful at it and what i guess the question that i was posing to myself is is that as important or maybe more important than these kind of traditional ideas of success that we've had you know for years and years and years so that's sort of my take on it if someone else wants to pick that up yeah i can go now i think what you say is brilliant but especially when you come into university and you have all of these dreams about how you want to make your hobby profitable and live a life of happiness a lot of them sort of go away very fast um and the same you know for example people in music or even people in podcasting they might do the activity for years without seeing any success without monetizing their content and even if you love it dearly still you need to feed yourself somehow and a lot of times you have to forget that dream so that's what's sad about it but coming a bit more to uh, the previous question about tradition i can kind of comment from a woman's perspective that i think a lot of women in the west are not you know as teenagers or even as bachelor students thinking about okay when will i have kids when will i marry a husband when will i settle down they're not having that idea in their minds so their life is not limited to that and therefore they can explore more and uh follow with their career a bit further so i think it's sort of liberating in that sense but also i think with the liberation of lgbtq individuals for example for lesbians they cannot have the idea in their head that i will marry a rich man that i can always depend on if my life goes wrong they need to fully you know trust in themselves and work very hard so that they have 
a financially stable life. Or they can marry a rich woman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's another discussion. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, And my third point that I want to say, sorry that I'm taking up so much time, but I feel like with us, um, my idea of success is kind of interlinked between, you know, knowledge and money, since I think that's the most important still for me. And a lot of the times, many days, I find myself forcing myself to engage in intellectual activity, even though I don't want to, because I base my self-worth on that, and I believe that that will bring me success. And yeah, it's just frustrating and annoying sometimes that I do that to myself. Mm. Yeah, I I actually, there was so much said that I've actually started to take a a little bit of notes. Um, And I kind of want to respond to to some of the things, I think, in order to avoid myself rambling on for another 30 minutes. Archie, you said, and I I quote, he's worked hard, he's done it, right? That's that's what you enjoy to see, or that's what you want people to see in you, right? Well, I'd actually like to bring up your wonderful uh, Substack article uh here and i I took some notes as well and i'm very interested because here can i quote no go ahead i might have to pull it up so i know what you're talking about but okay great so it's here nobody films the hours at the library or in front of the piano while a hard work and a grind culture quote are glorified they can't they aren't glorified for their intrinsic value and improvement but for a fully polished product that they hope to create so we can post it in an online two-minute video um, I think that's an interesting, you know, I, obviously there's that pressure to, to do re- really well, but you're saying almost deep down you're doing it because it's going to do achieve something almost that that's not going to benefit you in the direct sense. It's not self-fulfillment. It's fulfillment for someone else. It's what someone else told you to do. Am I not right there? Is that what you Yeah, mean? I'm having that kind of panic where you're like, did I write that? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I stand by it. I'm, stand I, by your work, Archie. I put this out there for a reason. I kind of wrote it and thought, you know what, that that passes the test. I'll I'll put that out into the world. Um, I guess what I meant with that is, yeah, no one films. Let me let me pull up the bit that you quoted. Hang on. It's a great. I, I enjoyed reading it. There we are. Um, yeah, I suppose why I wrote that was because part of what bugged me is, and this isn't a particularly novel thought, part of what bugged me was we can celebrate these two-minute videos online, um, but there's so many people out there who are putting in the hours who maybe won't post it or maybe do and it just doesn't get seen, who don't get celebrated. And I think that often discredits a lot of the work and can make people feel like, what am I doing this for? And that was a lot of what was bothering me about social media was there's a lot of value to be gained from hard work. I think that's fairly self-evident. Um, and that could be personal and that can be, you know, social. And part of what's gained is having people see it and having people celebrate you. But if you're not going to get that and then you're discouraged from putting in the work, what you're also missing out on is kind of the intrinsic value and what that can do for yourself without ever putting it out there in the first place. And so... I guess what was bothering me is I didn't want I guess myself I mean I wrote this for myself just to get my my ideas in order Um, what I didn't want is for me to 
put aside working hard because I was annoyed that people weren't giving me enough credit for it and I wanted to be able to work because I enjoyed it and I found it fulfilling and I was doing something that fulfilled me and not for any other reason, right? That's kind of what bothered me. No, no, I see. I see. It, it, I, the reason I quoted that was because I felt it to be relatable. Right. You know, I think a lot of a lot of people can relate with that. It's like why that's why I think one of the one of the happiest moments you can feel is when a friend or a family member uh, actually says, you know what, you've done a good job. You've worked really hard and they sort of gratify all that hard work and they appreciate the fact that you've done that. It's what makes anybody happy. Right. It's like, oh, you've put so much effort into this gift. I know that's a small example, but I'm just saying the feeling. Imagine the feeling. Um, so, yeah, that was an interesting uh, point. And quickly about tradition. Uh, that you, I think Archie, you brought it up and then Milda brought it up again. But anyways, I want to mention Milda, our econ professor. He had a quote, I guess, that I, I know Milda, you, you may know, especially from rewatching his videos before the exam. Um, but he says, the degree is nothing without the piece of paper. That's a synthesis of what it took him, I would say, five, ten minutes to say. And he said, you could put in all of this work, right? You're going to put in this many hours. Look at the syllabus. You have to put in this many hours, you know, during the lectures and for the exam. You can fail and no one's going to care. Like the guy was very brute about everything, which made it quite humorous. And that's his teaching style, I would say. But um, he said, unless you have that piece of paper that gratifies what you've done, shows your achievement, says, you know, uh, John Smith has received this diploma by the University of whatever. Um, so I thought that was just an interesting, an interesting thought and what that means to you. I'm guessing your prof was explaining signaling. Was explaining what? Sorry. Was it, was it signaling that he was explaining? Signaling and screening? No, actually. And avoiding moral hazard? No? I don't. That was, that's, that, that was the example that our prof used oh, for uh, moral hazard. Maybe. Unfortunately, you know what? <laughs> if I would have paid more attention to the actual material during the lectures, maybe I would have <laughs> But his quotes were always super memorable. Something just came up in my mind that I wanted to ask if you guys also struggle with it. Danny, you were talking about how it feels so good to be appreciated and noticed, and I fully agree with that. But I always notice in my life that whenever I do achieve something huge, like win an award or say a speech in a huge conference or become even, you know, the best uh, speaker in the world, uh, I never sit there and really wallow in my pride that I achieved this I'm never like oh my god I'm so proud of you girl like you really did this you're like the queen of the world no I'm like let's get back to work you're <laughs> you still don't know anything you still haven't achieved anything and let's get back to it and I feel like I really really enjoy the process a lot more than the achievement because the achievement signals some sort of ending and you can't really sit in that anymore. You have to start working again. So what do you think about that? If I could hop on that and kind of segue elsewhere, because um, it's a good segue. You talk about working hard and not not being in it um, for, the, for the praise and the success at the end, but for the, for the value that comes from working. One of the things I think about social media and success and ability and competence and all these things uh, that I touched on my Substack, uh, if you want to go read that, <laughs> Um, was give it a give it a plug right now. Okay, it's called it's called Where's Home. Um, It's basically my ramblings um, on 
life and meaning and work and success and all these things and I've only posted once so far but I, I write it to get my um, just get my thoughts in order it's not necessarily for an audience but an audience is always good back to what I was saying uh, one of these things about social media is that let's rewind 50-60 years right let's say you're really good at the piano and you live in a fairly small town and, and you're the best person in your town at playing the piano and everyone kind of knows you for that you're the music guy and everyone's impressed with it and you've kind of built a reputation off it and you're pretty good but now all it takes is to go online go on TikTok go on Instagram 30 seconds of searching and suddenly you can find a 7 year old who's far better than you will ever be and I think that can do a lot for your sense of achievement the likelihood that you'll continue the value that you get out of it um, and obviously a lot of these things particularly at such a young age it's just to do with raw talent and not hard work I mean a 7 year old has only had a few years to get good at the piano and you might be 19 and you've been playing it for 10 years and and you're just never going to be as good at them just purely based on raw talent and what I think this does uh, for a lot of people is it's just discouraging right like if you don't have because of course we all do things for social clout it's, it's just part of what drives us forward as humans and therefore if you're kind of denied some of that I think it's also denying people the intrinsic value that they get out of playing the piano right if it's something you enjoy and suddenly you're so discouraged because you've seen these videos online and then you're no longer doing something that you enjoy anymore I think that's just a shame and so moving away from kind of career success academic success just kind of personal hobbies and, and what social media is doing to that um, I think I'd really like to hear your guys thoughts yeah I complete I completely agree with that you know I've been playing guitar for so long and then I go on Instagram I open up and what is it it's a six-year-old playing neon better than I ever will be able to play it and that's just it's just it's just such a brutal feeling but I think what tempers that feeling is sort of I think that this is this is going to go in a slightly different direction um and I think it's going to go in a fairly heated a, a, a direction that I think will spark a little bit of disagreement. I personally think that we are tying success far too much to our own personal success in a field or like in, in, in sort of measurable ways. Like, how good are you at the piano? Um, what college did you go to? What's your GPA? What is, um, did you start a nonprofit? Did you start a startup? And less in the ways that truly make us happy. Like Milda said, winning an award, having a great achievement, you don't really get to bask in that success for all too long. You say, you know what? Good job, pat yourself on the back once, back to the grind. You don't get to truly appreciate the joy that that brings you. Whereas, you know, having a successful personal life, having a strong family, having a family that you care about, having a partner, having kids, those are the things that aren't temporary. Those are the things that last for a lifetime. And those are successes that can't necessarily be measured or shown to the outside world. Look, I have the best family in the world. I have started, they are so successful. They are blah, 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 blah. Really, there's no way to measure how good a family is. It's whether they make you happy or not. And if you 
look at people, the people that I consider to be the most successful are the people that have that in order. But I think that slowly we're moving away from that. And I think that that is part of the reason why we're all feeling so unsatisfied with ourselves. Yeah. Um, but it's hard because it's so hard for people, for many young people, especially, you know, when you're young, you disagree with your family. And if you don't have a partner and you don't have many friends and you are in the grind set because you're so scared that you will be broke forever, your whole life becomes your work and your studies. And you get so caught up in that, that you can become depressed and sad and everything might seem meaningless to you. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. But yeah, I fully agree with you. Like all of those things are super more important than work will ever be. Yeah. Uh, just a quick throw question. Have any have you ever watched Afterlife? Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a series. Okay, so only Vishwa is out of the picture. Just very quickly to like the logline of the, the series because it connects brilliantly to this point. Uh, a man who works for a free paper company in Can Canbury, I think. Yeah, Canbury, not Cadbury. That's the chocolate. Canbury. Um, I think it's a made up town, so don't worry. Yeah, it is a made up town. Yeah, uh, Canbury. Uh, Tony lost his wife Lisa to uh, what was it? Breast cancer, cancer. I think. Cancer. Yeah, exactly. And he lost his entire life. And there's three seasons of it, and it's his story trying to get better and it, this ties perfectly to this idea of what is success there there's a couple moments in the show where he talks to uh, a friend on a bench near lisa's grave i think i know and, exactly the quote that's coming yeah well i i don't know the exact uh exact quote but he says you know i don't i didn't make much money i never amounted to much i live life slow i drank a lot but i had everything you know like this one person it's not a any quantifiable success you can't put on linkedin you can't say well i had 25 years of experience with my wife that's, that's <laughs> not gonna happen that's, that's not gonna happen and the achievement amassed his entire existence so if you look at success that was tony's marriage with lisa um so if we talk about maybe what is personal versus professional success that's something to maybe differentiate it because the, the term success is so weighted in these very different avenues. Yeah, I mean, I think personal success is a fairly well-defined thing. I don't think that's as highly contested these days compared to what it was as, say, professional success. Because the value you get from having a family from your personal relationships is... It's a fairly unchanging thing. It's semi-biological, etc. I guess what I was getting at is, forget success for a second. Let's just talk about ability and competence and enjoyment in doing things. Going back to the example of playing the piano, um, because I, I really don't have much more to add on the on the family thing. I think I agree with everything that's been said, and <laughs> anything I therefore say is just re repetition. Um, I just think that the level that's considered to be average these days keeps moving up, because suddenly there's someone a little bit better online, and a little bit better online, and a little bit better. And then you can practice as much as you were practicing before, just keep your head above the water and just to stay average and no one really enjoys the feeling of being average right you can become content with it and that's i think what keeps a lot of people going is suddenly you accept that you're not doing it for the praise of other people and 
and it doesn't really and at that point it doesn't really matter what level you're at in in whatever domain this is guitar piano football doesn't matter but i just think what i've i don't know if i've got an issue with it because it seems like a sort of immutable fact of the world these days and it is good that everyone's getting better at everything just generally but this kind of creeping forwards of what is considered to be just good enough I think isn't talked about particularly much and is quite damaging for A, mental health B, just pure enjoyment of doing things that you previously enjoyed I think that this is where it can kind of also get a bit political because if such huge standards are put on regular people um, and in order for you to deserve a good life, a house like no debt Uh, be able to send your kids to a good school. You need to be this wonderful person that has achieved mass success in your life, work two jobs if you're poor, uh, I don't know, volunteer. Like You have to be superb, which is so unrealistic and just it's not a dignified life in any way, shape or sense. People should get access to great services just for existing because they deserve it because... They're trying to do their best with the competence and skills and opportunities they have. But yeah, to kind of follow up more on your question, I think some people just really are too trustworthy of themselves and think of themselves a bit too highly. I think we should all be a bit too critical of ourselves. Like, I'm never (laughs) confident. We're all part of the problem. I think like whenever I speak, especially if I'm, you know, on a podcast, or if I'm making some sort of video, or even if I'm talking to some friends, I always think to myself, can I fact check myself? Like, can I source my idea right now? Can I find a source to what I'm saying? I'm like that kind of person. And I think that more people should be like this, because we really give too much credit to people who think that they're very good at something, but are really just overconfident. I think people. Of course, overconfident, overconfidence is is probably a bad thing, and people should do the work required to have an opinion on something and, and not just spew unfounded ideas out. But I guess what I'm getting at, at least in kind of slightly less important areas that are just kind of personal interests and hobbies, should we not just allow people to be confident in where they're at and not have them chasing this seven-year-old kid playing the piano online all day? I think that's what I'm getting at, right? Yeah, I think... I think that's that's an excellent that's an excellent point. I think that especially when it comes to leisure activities, the I mean, I was just talking to my brother. I was explaining what, what the podcast that we were doing was today, and he was like, "Comparison is a thief of joy," and that quote just really stuck in my this head. This man's got away with words. You know what I'm getting. This at. he he really has a way with so words. Swarthy and anxious. So swarthy and anxious. That's an inside joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I think it's an excellent point, right? Like, when, especially when it comes to the domain of things that you do exclusively for fun. But in some ways, I think that's just on you. Yeah, I suppose I was just thinking after I just spoke. Not we should allow people; people should allow themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. But also, I think people should. In other scenarios, especially in cultures like mine in Lithuania, trust themselves a bit more. Like people, they're so embarrassed to do anything here. 
Like, even if they're on vacation and, you know, people are dancing on the street because there's live music playing, they're like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not having fun because I don't know how to dance. I will not join this fun party because I'm scared of showing myself to these people. Like, it's it's really their yeah, problem. But I, I just think that whole attitude, and it's the same in the UK and I think it's the same in most places, it just robs something from life that could be, right? If we could have more people dancing in the street because they don't care or more people playing the piano, even if they're not that good... I think all the better for it. And I think social media has got something to answer for that. Yeah, this is why I'm always very, very kind. I mean, internally, I don't, I, I'd never be unkind <laughs> Sorry. externally. But I'm always kind. I'm always kind, even internally, to people that show up to an open mic and suck. You know what I mean? They're having yeah. a good time. They're putting themselves out there. I'm sure they're nervous. But, you know, if you're going to an open mic and singing a song, you're really just doing it because you like it. You know what I mean? And I think that we should just in- allow more people to enjoy what they do without expecting excellence from them. I didn't pay anything for the stupid open mic. I'm not I'm not going to get upset if you're not if you're a little bit pitchy on your vocals. Fishway, you remember that free gig of yours I went to recently and I didn't complain? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do remember that gig. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm kind to others because I want others to be kind to me. Clearly, Archie does not think the same. I was very nice on the night. That's, that, that is true. That is same, true. <laughs> same attitude as you, Vishwa, then. <laughs> um, I, I had a, just wrap up my thoughts, I had a conversation with actually a student of my university who is in his late 60s. I know through my through my family uh, he studies at my university it's great we sit down we sat down twice and two semesters for lunch and the second time we talked about the difference between his first bachelor life and my first bachelor life like what is the university experience and he was like man there's so much pressure on you there was no pressure on us right when I was your age seriously I had very average grades as did everyone around me you know, and we just played sports. We did things that we enjoyed. Uh, we went out, we hung out with friends and we still ended up okay. I think that's a very, I think from our perspective, it's very interesting because we're kind of at the cusp of that change, right? Where the, the job market and everything ahead is, is stressful and it's hard to get, it's hard to feel fulfilled. Yeah. Um, I completely agree. Um, does anyone have anything more to say on this topic? I think we should end on a positive note. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I, 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 I think that, doom and gloom. I think that we should tell our. I think that we should tell our listeners that they ought to be. Um, what is it? They ought to be grateful. I think gratefulness. I just say go pick go up ahead, the guitar actually. or the piano or whatever the hell it is, and forget the person you see online. I'm going to stop looking at your guitar page because it makes me feel very poor at guitar. And just go <laughs> I'm going to stop looking at John Mayer's. Yeah, just do things because you enjoy them, and go and be smart online. And if your GPA is going south, go north yourself, and be fine. And also, I guess I wanted to add that some people who listen to the podcast have told me, like, I know nothing about politics, and I'm so lost. But your podcast helps me navigate the space a little bit. And I want them to know that I was completely the same. I felt so dumb, so out of touch, didn't know anything. But after literally like years and years of constant learning, only now something is making sense for me. 
I so still I feel remember. dumb. Yeah, exactly. I still feel dumb. Everyone's like, oh, how do you like talk about politics and stuff online? I'm like, bro, like, I just read a couple Wikipedia articles <laughs> or a couple news articles yeah. Yeah, and, and then talk. That's the beautiful thing. <laughs> and so did the person in that polished two-minute video. They yeah. also felt dumb. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, that's I the beautiful thing. Dumb. Curiosity. Learn something new all the time and you'll be happy forever. Was that, was that happy enough? That's, you know what, Danny? That's a great thing to end on. Very happy note to end on. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to episode 30. Um, I was actually just chatting with Milza. Like, we've been at this for over a year. And uh, it's still going strong. Our numbers are looking decent. But, of course, always share the podcast with your friends. Just remember, there's always a more successful podcast out there. <laughs> Precisely. There's always a more successful podcast. So... Help feed our egos by following us on Instagram and listening to our podcast and sending it to your friends. Have a great day.